Hello, welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. In this next episode, I speak with Reverend Kelly Baird-Derrick, assistant to the Bishop of the Virginia Synod ELCA. Kelly is a good friend of mine, and I have been anxiously awaiting the opportunity to have Kelly on the show. What better way to celebrate International Women's Day and month than to speak with a woman who's chosen a career in faith? Kelly talks openly about how she decided to pursue this path, even though she had to fight the feelings of what she thought were unrealistic expectations and not being good enough. After seminary, due to some difficult challenges and being confused on her calling, she decided not to pursue this path. However, 10 years later, after some soul searching and spending time with her children, she felt called to use her gifts and strengths in a formal role within the church. Kelly's story is compelling and refreshing. Enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for doing this. I feel Absolutely. I feel like I've hounded you for a while, so I really appreciate You haven't, because I feel like I've been just so ridiculously overwhelmed with things. You're very Which busy. then also feels like a cop-out, because clearly I'm not the, mo- the only one overwhelmed with things. But well, I've just been like, oh my gosh. I know. I, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I would love for you to start with talking about your occupation let's put it that way because I think it's unique and um I've always wanted to talk to you about this I mean we've talked obviously personally about this a lot but I think this is such a great opportunity for people to hear about what you do and also uh it's unique in terms of the guests we've had so we haven't had someone with your type of profession um and now I've like totally teased it up (laughs) but it sounds it sounds so mysterious and maybe a little (laughs) Like naughty, but it's really the opposite of that. So, uh, <laughs> so yes, uh, my guest today is Miss Kelly Derrick. Uh, and so, yes, tell me, tell me, what, what do you do? All right. So I am a pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Mm-hmm. So I am a Lutheran pastor. My current role, though, I serve in leadership in the life of the church. I'm an assistant to the bishop of the Virginia Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is a lot of words. Yes, what is that? I don't, what does that mean? But it means I'm in service and leadership for Lutheran uh, clergy and congregations and parishioners for nearly the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Wow. That's my, that's my congregation um, is almost all of Virginia. So that's not overwhelming at all. It's not right. No. Yeah. And you used to, so I don't know if, do you still preach at a church or you, I know you did that for a long time, right? You and your husband. I did. Yeah. I served in a congregation for about eight years prior to this call in the bishop's office. Now I am not serving regularly in a congregation. I do still preach because I'm, well, like so many things before the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh-huh. right? <laughs> before the pandemic, I was traveling ev- almost every weekend to a congregation somewhere in Virginia to preach and be with them and worship and 
Are you the person that goes and asks for money now? No, I do not do that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we get the visiting people, you're like, oh, I know what this is today. (laughs) Nope. I'm the person who goes and is like, you're so fabulous. And let me share the gospel with you. And let me hear all about what you guys are doing in your community and how we can amplify that and ally that and be with you. So I still do that some in this COVID world, but that it's all zoomed out. Do you miss being part of a parish? And you really, you don't. No. And was, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I do, you know, it's, I laughed partly because my, my husband, because David and I were just talking about this today. What I miss is worship leadership and, and preaching and presiding at the sacraments and like teaching that's what I miss the most yeah because I don't do that regularly and I don't do that with a in an ongoing way with a community I'm still preaching and teaching but I don't have a community that I do that with every week all the time right that we develop those relationships with I just that it's just a different way of and David your husband is he still at that parish he is the he's still the minister there yeah he is I've, before we get too far, I thought it might be helpful to just, and I'm sure it's not an easy exercise, but maybe you could talk briefly about what Lutherans believe. Sure. We're Christians. Mm-hmm. So as Christians, we believe in the triune God and that God's love for all humanity is made known most profoundly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that the centrality of God's message is one of love and grace and hope and abundance and life for all humanity and all of creation by extension. As Lutherans, we have a strong emphasis on God's grace, that we can do nothing to earn that profound phenomenal love that God has for humanity, that it is given as a free gift by God to all of humanity and creation because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so my life is a life in response to that gift, a life of love for God and love for my neighbor. Uh, Were you raised Lutheran? I was. You were. And would you say that early on you had a real connection to faith? And is this something that, um, and we'll talk a little bit about this, maybe this will dovetail in this question, but... I'm curious, just early on, like as a young person, did you have a really strong faith? Did you feel really connected to it? Did you feel like this is something you might do? So the first question, yes. I had a I had a strong faith, very much connected to the church. I mean, partly, you know, we were one of those families where like every, we go to church all the time. We did all the things. Right. All the youth group and all the Sunday school and my parents were involved and like all the things. And it was never something that we didn't do. And it was also probably something we talked about more at home than... I remember doing now that I think back. So I was very much involved in the life of the church. The second question, was it something I thought I would do, is a far more complicated question. (laughs) Um, I think, no, I did not think that I would. I pondered it. Some people started to say to me when I was in high school, you know, you should be a pastor. And my response was immediately, absolutely not. Mm. I can't do that. Nope. And it was very much, I can't do that. You know, like I, it was this combination of 
having uh, an unrealistically high understanding of what a pastor does and who a pastor is. Right. Coupled with an unrealistically low self-esteem and self-identity that I just was like, I know I don't have the gifts. I can't do it. I can't. I was ridiculously shy. Hmm. I'm still an introvert, but because of my career and my, uh, you know, my job in education, I've learned to speak aloud, but it's exhausting to me. But when I was in high school, I was ridiculously shy, quiet, didn't talk. I was like, no, I can't do this. Nope. I do not. Nope. I'm not good enough. That was the biggest thing. I'm not good enough to do this. Interesting. It's so interesting because when I met you, obviously post-college or towards the end of college, I think is when I met you, I would have characterized you as like a super confident, like, I know. That's so nice to hear. (laughs) Really. And like easygoing. And I mean, you were always a ton of fun and like really loved always chatting with you. I just, that's so interesting that, um, I don't think I realized that part of you, that you were introverted or that you had, you know, confidence. Where do you think, would you say that's true now? Like, are are you more confident now? Um, I'm confident now, but I'm, I'm very self-critical and I have very, very high expectations of myself that I never live up to. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, so I, my confidence is often like, it's so, it's a a thing. Okay. Let me just ask this question because this is (laughs) so interesting (laughs) how you don't know where an interview is going to go. It's a perfect example. Like everything you just said is to me is really not a kind, gentle, sort of loving inner Christian voice, right? It's sort of a harsh inner critic. So it's interesting to me that like you're someone I suspect in your role and in your job and occupation, like you're helping other people to feel the benefits of that, right? And you're actually a vessel to hopefully have people experience that oh sure but how about (laughs) how about a little like one-to-one you know that's very interesting yeah you're you're like the second person to point that out to me in the last like three weeks and I had not ever really thought about it that way so that I proclaim I preach literally adamantly and literally (laughs) adamantly profoundly passionately and truly believe that all of humanity is loved immeasurably by God, mm-hmm. is made in God's holy image, however you are and whoever you are, and that we are gifted by God in unique and phenomenal ways that build up the gifts of humanity and the world. I, I fully believe that. And yet, oftentimes I'm like, oh, I should probably preach that to myself a little bit more. <laughs> Like you're one of the people, right? It's so interesting I'm how, one of the people, how right? you like, can divorce yeah. yourself of that. It's so right. interesting. So you just you just hit on something and you and I have talked about it before and I am really curious about how it factors into your faith. You mentioned not, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, how you are, right? And that you believe in that love. And I think, I mean, I grew up Catholic, which there's a lot about Catholicism that, frankly, I struggle with in terms of some of that dogma and some of the, the way in which they represent certain things. And so mm-hmm. I, people would, I mean, I think I can be, probably am characterized now as sort of a cafeteria Catholic where I, <laughs> there's like a certain things that I um, appreciate about the faith. And then, and now I'm raising three boys in, in that faith with heavy oversight, frankly, mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. this is not 
the only way, this is a way, and this is how I was introduced. And so I wanted my kids to have a foundation and a base, yet I'm certainly not forcing anything there other than to say I feel like it's my obligation to provide them some exposure and then let them kind of feel their way through it. And, you know, so there will be things that they learn and things that we talk about that I'll say, well, I feel differently about that. And this is why. Mm -hmm. And so as someone, and that's easy for me because I'm not an appointed official within that church or, you know, within that program. So I'm interested in your perspective on within the Lutheran faith, I'm sure there are certain parameters in in which Mm -hmm. they believe certain things. And so do you fall wholly in that? And and I don't mean... (laughs) funny <laughs> uh um, i don't know if that's the right word but um it came to me do um, i agree with everything my church that's is a better saying? yes that... yeah and if you and if not how does that work within your occupation i do not always agree with policies and procedures and things like that mm-hmm. um theologically the foundation of our lutheran theology i very much agree with Mm -hmm. there's a lot that we need to atone for in some of our theology that has caused grave damage Mm -hmm. to people right luther was a gross anti-semite you know he he said he has said things he was living in a patriarchal society he was a you know sexist and all the things and and so some of it is about interpretation. Like I live, I, I live a lot in a place of like remembering that everything is interpreted and that, like you said, like there's lots of varying interpretations the, and those interpretations are impacted by the society in which we live and the time in which they were developed and the people who developed them and right. all those things. And so I tend to always be guided by biblical principle and biblical truth which to me is the love of god for all humanity and the life death and resurrection of jesus mm-hmm. the love of god always and god's love that that is the lens through which i read everything mm-hmm. um and so if there's a if there's a doctrine or a policy or a procedure that doesn't feel like it it's reflecting of that in the inclusivity of humanity then i work to address it Mm-hmm. It's part of why, Teresa, I'm in the church in my role right now because, because I graduated from seminary and I went 10 years without being ordained because I was like, I can't do this. Peace out. I'm done. I've, I can't. The church is irritating me. God's people are going to make me crazy. I'm going to kill them. They're going to kill me. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't function together. But I realized that if I stand outside and I just, and I talk, I'm just making noise. So like part of it, I think is the importance of walking with people, of being with people, of being in relationship, of developing those relationships and being, of listening and um, engaging and hearing where people are and walking alongside, you know, like that's, that's such an important part of like justice work in general, is you need to walk alongside people. You know, I think of the imagery of civil rights folks mm-hmm. walking together in, right. you know, in the justice work. And that's really, really important to me. So it's why I'm here. It's, I can't, I cannot address these things unless I stand in it. If I, if I give up, if I say I'm, I'm going outside, then I don't know if that makes any sense. You know, I, I feel the importance of being engaged in the work. That makes a lot of sense. And so that's interesting when you talk about seminary. So maybe we'll, I think we'll come back a little bit to the current construct and some of the things you're doing. 
Okay. I am curious just in terms of your path. And now you mentioned this big break after seminary. So I don't, I don't think I fully remembered that, but so tell me when you were an undergrad, what was your degree in? I am a history and Russian studies double major. Okay. And, and I never took a religious studies class at all in college. Okay. And <laughs> did you have thoughts about what you might do with that? Or that was just what interests you at the time? So I went to school thinking I was going to be a scientist and like hole up in a cubby somewhere and like study science things. Then I took chemistry and I was like, oh, this is not going well. <laughs> it's happened to quite a few people, I think. Let's do something different. <laughs> so I think I started actually with my Russian studies degree. You know, it was like the late 80s and the wall was coming down and like perestroika and all these things. And I was like, hey, let's do this. And maybe I, I thought about maybe I would do something with like an NGO or, you know, some sort of civil service, something that was global and maybe right. I'd use, use Russian and who knows. And that connected in with history, which I really loved. So I just kind of tacked that on as a second major because I was, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I was thinking that I was, I was looking towards like civil service or like nonprofit work or something like that, that mm -hmm. I would do. I knew I wanted to do something in service, but I really wasn't sure. And it was, it was in the midst of that, that I also, I mean, I had conversations with some deep, you know, some of our dearest friends, you know, about life and, you know, like you do in college, right? Like you're talking about life and faith and truth and hope and what's happening and who are you and identity and all those sorts of things. And those folks were the ones who, when I said, I think I'm going to go to seminary, were like, yeah, we get that. We see that. Hmm. There were other people who were like, really? <laughs> you? <laughs> yes, you're not. Don't you go to parties on I was Saturday? I going to say, you're not the typical. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, didn't we see you at the mixer on Thursday? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> you know, but part of that is also, you know, there's are like those weird expectations. And that's part of where, like, back in high school, where I had this unrealistic understanding, like, yeah. that pastors are like the special, holier-than-thou, super righteous people who were genuinely unrealistic, like they were not real. And, right. you know, we're, we're real people. Right. We do, you know, we live real lives and we had fun. So anyway, so yeah, I don't remember your question, but yeah. So I ended up going to seminary partly because I was like, I don't really know what else I'm going to do. I right out of college, you did. <laughs> right out of college, which is not, you know, not the right reason to go to grad school. <laughs> and did you meet your husband there or before? I was in seminary already and he was coming to seminary when we met. We're both from Virginia. so. And you we both met. went to UVA, yeah? No. No, he oh. went to James Madison. Oh, okay. So you go to seminary and then what happens? How long is seminary? And at any point during that, are you thinking, why did I do this? Or was this yes. a mistake? Or, yeah. Yeah. So for us, um, in our tradition, seminary is three years of academic work with a one-year internship added in there. So four years total. You do two years of academic work, a year of internship, you come back into a final year of academic work. David and I got married in the summer between my internship and his. So I took a year's leave of absence while he was on internship because we lived in Texas. 
we went to seminary in South Carolina and then we came back and finished seminary together while I was on. So that that's the length of it. Yes. I very much had experiences of thinking I wasn't, this isn't what I wanted to do. My internship year was formative in that in a negative way, which I think is, is really an important learning thing. But the, the most negative part of it was that I had a supervisor who was not a very good teacher. So he was a good pastor, but he was not a very good teacher. And they also wanted to have an intern, not so that they could train up a new leader, but so that they could have somebody come in and do some grunt work for them. Right. Which I didn't know going in. So that was hard. He was also probably today we would say he was harassing me. Um, That's a nice right. Ad. So that, yeah. So that didn't like all of that. Lead, you know, on top of my feelings already from high school of like I'm not good enough to do this. I don't have the gifts to do this. I go to college. I have a lot of fun in college, which then made people go, "Really, you're going to do that? Right? You're going to go be a pastor?" And then I go and I have this internship experience that is not particularly affirming by my supervisor because he's mostly harassing me and just, you know, and he's not a very good teacher and he's not lifting up and it it just, it was bad. There was so much of it that was bad. Um, and I never said anything because yeah, we don't, yeah, that that, don't say anything back then. You don't, Um, you didn't say much. And and it was, yeah, you know, when I was an intern, I was a student, I don't know what to do, um, all those things. Um, and so during my leave of absence, I taught fifth grade in an Episcopal private school while David was on his internship. And I loved it, Teresa. Mm. I loved every single thing about it. I also had a phenomenal supervisor. Mm-hmm. So the, again, the importance of some yeah. of that stuff. And she, you know, she was a great teacher, just like as a teacher, she was right. also a great teacher to me. She was very affirming. She was, she could pick out and speak to my gifts. Um, she was just really, really good. So I finished that year, went back to the seminary and said, I will finish my degree, but I'm never going to be a pastor. I dropped out of like the the church formation process. Hmm. I was done. I said, I'm not doing this. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates, your one-stop shop for soft skills development, speaking, coaching, and workshops. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.teresafreemanassociates.com for more information. Because um, you had such God, a positive experience as the teacher, as a fifth yeah, grade teacher. Yeah, so what, what I thought about doing, I said, May, I really think God wants me to teach. I really love this. I have gifts for this. This makes me happy. It's fulfilling. I It feeds my soul. Um, And I looked initially into some PhD programs to shift gears on that, but ended up making the decision together with David that I was going to stay home with our kids. We got settled in and David, David started serving a congregation and I was pregnant with our oldest son. And I said, this is important to me Mm -hmm. to be home with my children when they're young. Right. Which I never thought I was going to (laughs) do, but I did. Um, And I also started teaching in the community college this was in Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the heavens have opened, the angels are singing. 
I love this. This is what I love. This is what I'm meant to do. This is it. I found it. And I'm still teaching. Right. Like I, I teach at the university mm-hmm. here in town because I love it so much. It is life giving to me. That's amazing. Um, what do you teach? You teach like the I op- teach in the religious studies department mm-hmm. at Hollins University. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Hollins University. <laughs> um, and uh, and I teach just one class this semester. So this semester I'm teaching Hebrew Bible. Um, that sounds light. <laughs> It's like possible. Um, And then at what point, maybe we'll kind of fast forward, I guess. Oh, I'm curious about the decision to go back. So you're with your kids and you're teaching. And then at what point do you decide to to go back? So part of it was kind of being mindful of my family's timeline. My youngest son was heading towards kindergarten. Mm -hmm. You know, was in his last year of preschool and I realized I was going to have more time because my boys were not going to be at home all the time and I had also started to um, sort of step back in just a little bit I was I was doing supply like Sunday supplies so like congregations that don't have a pastor I would go and lead worship for them on Sunday mornings and I realized how much I loved that mm-hmm. and I think it's it's part of what I still love uh, I love preaching. I love teaching. I love being able, as we've already talked about, about being able to preach and teach about how much God loves everybody and how important that is and what that means in our lives and why that's so significant. So that was part of it. That that, that was kind of the niggling. It was that the churchy word we use is discernment. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of discerning my gifts, discerning where I feel called, listening, again, in the church I, we would talk about it as the Holy Spirit, you right, know, right, listening to right, the Holy Spirit, not right. just, you know, what's going on on the inside, hearing the affirmation from other people. Mm-hmm. So we talk about a language of internal and external call, mm-hmm. like those things that the, those things that I feel like vocationally I'm gifted toward that give me life, but then also hearing from other people, like you have gifts for this. This is explicitly the gifts that we see in you. This is what we, you know, oh, you're, this is, you're really, this was really meaningful. Here's how we think this is good. Anyway, does that make, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like the combination of those. And so it was kind of that. It was, it was a little bit of uh, making the decision with my family. And also I had spent enough time arguing with God about stuff and, and recognize that one of the gifts that I, that I have is this proclamation for uh, love and grace and hope and justice. And if I didn't use it, I was squandering a gift that I'd been given Mm -hmm. that I was, I was not engaging with the world in a way that I needed to, I don't know, feels too churchy, but you know what I mean? I don't know. It's so interesting. It doesn't feel churchy in the sense that like, I think all of us go through periods of questioning if we're engaged in our occupation in a way that we want to be or should be. And so what you're describing, I think actually translates quite well to other vocations. (laughs) And a lot of people, um, I'm right now writing something about authenticity and Mm -hmm. how important 
I think authenticity is to somebody's life and success. And I, when I think of success, I mean like personal fulfillment and right. success. Right. And this idea that authenticity comes from self-awareness and reflection and, yep. um, and everything you just described. You know, the cool thing I think about, and I'm going to make what I guess is an assumption, but you sort of just validated it, that I think at least in the terms of faith or that that kind of life or even a life of service, like there's more conversation about that, it seems like, what are you calling? What are your gifts? What are you, how are you engaged? I feel like when you get further away from that, the conversation is less self-reflective and like kind of more results driven or more like path to, to being an X or doing X or, you know, so it's just, right. I think yep. there's value in that kind of thinking and reflecting. Mm-hmm. And certainly if hopefully people that listen to this are at some sort of crossroads and if not that I want people are at a speed of crossroads, <laughs> if they happen to be at a crossroads uh, and trying to figure stuff out, right? I think this is really helpful. Right. Um, right. And the fact that you're so honest, I think about, it just struck me to what you were saying about your own insecurities around, I can't do that because I'm not good enough. And this idea that what you would have to, I think as a human, <laughs> have to do some mental gymnastics to say I'm going to be a person that's standing in front of people talking about how to live your life when perhaps we all struggle with decisions or choices and nobody's perfect. So when you say that, like, I I can't do that or I have confidence issues, is that in part what you're talking about? Like sort of, or, or is it really more like kind of an esteem? Like, I I don't think I'm capable. Do you, am I, you know, what I'm asking there, that difference? I think so. I mean, I think it still is a confidence issue for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still often, depending on where I am, you know, my hands start to sweat and I can feel myself being like, oh, I got to do this thing. I got to stand up in front of these people and do this. So it's a confidence thing, but but it's something I practice all the time. Right. You know, and I also, you know, you talk about self-reflection you know, it's, it's also connected to like my personality. I'm an introvert. And so I've taken the time to reflect on that and recognize that if I've spent a whole day talking or engaging with people, then I need to make sure that I, I tend to my self-care mm-hmm. afterward so mm-hmm. that I don't burn myself out and recognize that that's who I am and that that's that it's totally okay to be that way. Like there's books about like being an introvert in an extroverted world, you know, like yeah. <laughs> sort of live in this world of like, Hey, and you're talking and you're doing and, uh, and to be honest about who I am and not feel bad about that and not beat myself up about that and just be like, no, I'm an introvert. And I need, yeah, I need, I need time to just be like, I'm going to shut the door and nobody talk to me for a few minutes. Or like, even in my office, sometimes I'll, I'll put my earbuds in and I'll tell my staff like, I'm going for a walk. I'll be back in 10 right. minutes just to like What's be authentic, it, that authenticity you talked about, about who I am. Was it hard to pursue this calling or this work when it's not a mainstream job or role? Like, do you, did you ever feel like, I mean, an outcast and an outsider feels like super dramatic language, but it is an, <laughs> it is an unusual path, right? And none, yes. for the most part, the people that we're friendly with and have in common not a lot of, not a lot of church, you know, like occupations or, right. or maybe even church going people. So, so right. some of them, yes. But so, you know, do you know, did that ever, was that ever a thing? Like I should just go get 
a real job not that that what you're not doing is a real job but you know what I mean or did the teaching offset that because teaching is a little you know if you you know it's funny you say that because when I'm out and about with people that I don't know especially if it's like a big social setting like there's this thing that happens no matter where I am when I tell people and people say oh what do you do and I say Mm. oh I'm a pastor and immediately the conversation changes yeah everything changes the other person suddenly becomes like, they talk about different things. They want their, they apologize for like, Oh, did I say a word? Oh, did I whatever? Oh, and immediately the conversation shifts to something different. So that part is hard and has always been hard because I would talk about it with people and they'd be like, Oh, okay. Is she, and they make assumptions about who I am and, and what I think of them and what I do and without asking and things like that. So the teaching is actually something I will sometimes fall back on. <laughs> and people will say, uh, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I teach at Holland University. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Which doesn't sound very authentic, but it, but it's some, in some ways it's, it's just the hard thing of, yeah, it is, it has been a challenge to. Well, and uh, I keep, this thought keeps coming back to me that it's just such a, I mean, at a very young age, I can remember parents saying, you don't talk about politics, and you don't talk about religion, right? Like those right. were the things you don't, and money. Like these are the right. things you never talk about. And that was maybe more our generation. I don't know if that's still being taught or, you know, I'm not sure that I'm telling my kids that, but it is like this very, and and I mean, obviously now today it's super, you know, there's a lot of controversy and there's a lot about, yeah, gosh, things being done within a faith that's can be very disruptive and toxic and you know yes which i don't know that this is really the forum to talk about all that other than to say you haven't picked an easy road from that perspective right like like it's already fraught with some challenges and friction and that's got to be hard yeah it is but it's also an opportunity right right yeah like it's an opportunity to be to be able to be authentically who I am and to to show people, I, I really value the opportunity to show people the kind of, the, the diversity of what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, that people make assumptions. That The hardest thing in, in the world today is that people make very negative assumptions about me because of my faith. Right. Sometimes they cut me some slack because I'm a lady preacher. Um, yeah, yeah. And there, there's some challenges inherent in that. And so it's like, oh, well, huh. But, but a lot of times they make assumptions. And so I get to be my authentic self and just be myself. And in that I get to um, have the opportunity. We get to have an opportunity to have conversations about things, about the the diversity of the way people can live out any, any expression of life, but for me, a, a faith expression. How have you found, um, speaking of being a woman in, you know, clergy, and obviously that spanned the last 20 years, and how have you seen it evolve? Do, I mean, I, I would suspect it's a fairly male-dominated uh, profession. So similarly, a lot of us, I was in a fairly male-dominated profession for a long time. So um I'm just curious if you've seen that change and evolve and are you are you hopeful about where that's headed? I am. You know, as as we were just talking about, there's such diversity within Christianity that my tradition has made wonderful leaps and strides in ordination of women, in right. women uh, in leadership, 
I think last year, we, we, we have more women bishops now than we've ever had. It's about, but it's still just not, not quite half, mm-hmm. I think, of our, of our bishops are women. The, the challenges now are those challenges of the details. Women are consistently paid less. They have lower retirements. They wait longer to receive a call. They are more often overlooked for larger congregations or chief of staff kinds of things. They are not on synod staffs and positions of leadership, you know, in life. Mm-hmm. So it's those sorts of things. And we know that both anecdotally and from data. It's mm-hmm. data-driven and anecdotal. We know this to be the case. So now the challenge and the gift, and I get to be part of this, is what are we going to do about that? Mm-hmm. How do we address that? And I am hopeful about it because there are those of us who are working collaboratively to address those concerns, that's to address amazing. those things, to work on equity. That's Yeah, um, that's, that's amazing. I think to be able to be in a position to affect that change. I mean, I think yes. we're all trying in our own way where we can to do that but you seem like you're at this like a really cool spot to be able to really influence that or you know in a position of power frankly to yeah it is definitely something that i have that i am thankful for in the role that i serve in now yeah my leadership role a couple of questions around if someone is right now like considering this path right and they're like Mm -hmm. should i do it should i not do it what advice, I guess, how would you characterize your experience such that you were trying to tell people like this is what it can be, right? Or maybe things to be considering if you're you're not sure. For folks who might be considering a call to ministry, mm-hmm. yes. particularly, yeah, those are conversations I have all the time. It's one of the favorite things about my job. Okay. That's what I, <laughs> that's part of what I do Perfect, all the time. Then. What I like to do first is let people tell me their story. I want to hear and, and give folks the opportunity to articulate that. I think sometimes folks feel like this sense of, I think I have this call, I think, but I don't really know. And so to have the opportunity to say it out loud to someone else and talk it through and, and I can ask follow-up questions and, you know, tell me more about this or, you know, those sorts of things, you know what I mean? Like that, and it's engaging in that relationship and hearing what they're saying. I encourage or want to hear what other people have said to them. Have other people said this to you? Tell me about those experiences. You know, and, and a lot of people have a hard time talking about their own gifts. Mm-hmm. I think just in general, right. a lot of us have a hard time doing that because we feel like we're bragging or we don't know how, or we've never been told or whatever. And so, you know, it's sort of like you said earlier, you know, we're, we're kind of living this way of like, we, we're just trying to get to here and we don't have, we haven't been able to reflect on like, this is, these are the things that I'm really good at. Right. So I try to, you know, ask those questions. Can you like name those things out loud and say that out loud? These are the things and say it to other, you know, you can say it to me. <laughs> right. Sometimes we can say it in our head uh-huh. too, but we don't like to say it out loud because right. it's like, ugh. It's like, no, if you're going to be a leader, then you should be able to articulate how you are gifted and what skills you have. And not in a way that you're like, eh, look at me. I'm right. Awesome. And also growth areas, too. You mentioned so. a couple times this idea of other people affirmations or other people telling you that you could be good at this, right? Or what are other people sharing uh-huh. with you? And I'm curious, is that from your perspective, 
the Holy Spirit working through people is that like that I've heard the term of like God whispering, right? Like, you know, he's whispering. (laughs) Are you listening? (laughs) And there's these ways that maybe if you believe in God, right, that, you know, it's kind of all around you and to be like in tune to that. So is that when you say that? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because I think sometimes folks, and I think this would go across the board in, in whatever you're talking about. Like you said, it can, it can be for any kind of vocation, but it can also be not just for people of faith, that sometimes folks are waiting for like the lightning bolt moment, you know, or to use the biblical example, like the bush is on fire, the burning bush. And it's like, oh, what is happening? And this big thing. And my experience is that very few people have something like that that's like so profound they can turn to it and be like, no, this moment is when I just knew. And it's more this kind of niggling voices, feeling, you know, you hear, and other people, other people saying to you, wow, you are really good at this part of your job, or you seem to be really passionate about this, or, you know, I love to tell people, your face lights up when you talk about X. Yeah. Or you, the way you talk about, you, you you can talk about this in your job and then you start to talk about this and your tone of voice completely changes and your body language changes. Yeah. So let's rest there for a minute because this is what you love. Yeah. This is what you're passionate about. And yes, I absolutely think that is the Holy Spirit working through people yeah. um, to let folks know. And even if you don't believe in God, I think it's important to listen to other people saying, hey, you seem to really enjoy this. Or, hey, tell me more about what's going on here because your whole demeanor just changed when you talked about that. Right. Um, Because it helps us with that discernment and that reflection, that self-reflection. And I think what you're describing, which I am huge, I'm also a huge proponent of is depending on where your path is taking you, like finding mentors, finding people that you're comfortable talking with, finding a trusted resource. Like you and I are such on the same page with what's going on in here, like actually having that, I'm pointing to my head, you can't see that, (laughs) an audio. (laughs) Um, But translating that out, right, and, and actually saying it out loud to somebody else, it becomes real or that it's not as scary once it comes out, you know, or, right. you know, I think there's so such a power in that. Yeah. If you'd like to advertise with Relatable, please email us at info at com. So here's the other question that I would ask like, what if someone is struggling in their faith right now? Like, there's so much going on that's so hard to digest and to consume. And mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be tested on this front. And I'm someone who's like, you know, this whole conversation of are you religious or spiritual, right? Like, there's just so many different ways you can put this. Right. But I would just say... If someone is struggling, even maybe did believe at one time or, or just in, in, in a God, like in maybe something bigger than us, right? I don't even want to have mm-hmm. to like label it as something and really like struggling. What advice do you have? You know, I'm sure people come to talk to you about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure there's no perfect <laughs> roadmap, but maybe you could just give us a clue, right? Or, or give us some insight as to what you can do to, to maybe work that out a bit. Okay. So my first, my initial response probably won't surprise you given some of the other things I've said. I would probably follow it with a, so tell me more about that. Right. 
because that's going to give me some indication of, you know, what are we talk, really talking about? So for instance, if it's somebody who has grown up, has had a deep faith and has had something happen, or it's like right now, or like the world is on fire or right. like there's gross racial injustice or, you know, there there's white supremacy that's been embedded with Christianity or all these things that, that would make people be like, okay, I'm not sure that I believe in God at all. Right. One of the first things I always say is that's absolutely okay. Mm -hmm. Like I totally get that because sometimes I think people feel really guilty about that, especially people who have like grown up in a faith tradition and they feel like this is a terrible thing to admit out loud or like my mom and dad are going to be mad or like somebody's going to be upset. And I'm like, I get that. Right. 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 Sometimes things are crappy or sometimes like, sometimes honestly, Teresa, like it doesn't make any sense. Right. Like really Jesus raised from the dead. Okay. Right. Right. (laughs) That seems really unbelievable. (laughs) Like, yes, it does. Doesn't it? (laughs) So, so some of that, and then part of the reason why I believe so strongly that that's okay is because God's relationship with us is not dependent upon whether or not we like God or believe in God or whatever. Like that, that's, I believe that I believe that God loves everybody. And so if you don't believe in God or you don't want to have a relationship with God, I think God is not saying fine for you. Peace out. See you later. Right. God's like, all right, I'll keep walking with you because it's about relationship. And you know, it's sort of, it's the way I understand humanity is kind of you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the importance of relationship. So some of it is about God. Some of it's also where people are like, I believe in God, but I really, really hate the church. And that's a different conversation. And that I usually start that out also with saying, that's Mm -hmm. okay. I get that. Yeah. (laughs) Because the church has done some really horrible things. Yeah. Has been complicit and really, really terrible, continues to be complicit in really, really terrible injustices. Um, I get that. So I'd want to talk more about that and just say, you know, I I was just having a conversation two days ago with somebody about this very thing. Mm -hmm. One of a a pastor friend of mine who's not in ministry right now because she's not sure she and God are on speaking terms and she really can't stand the church. Mm -hmm. And part of my response to her was my hope for the church is because of people like her. Right. Right. Because there's people saying this isn't right. Right. What you're doing, this is awful. This is not what it means to be whatever, to be a a Christian, to be a Muslim, to be a Hindu, to be a Buddhist. We have to challenge this. We have to take this seriously. We have to ask questions. We have to push back. I love that. I mean, I love that. And I think the idea that, I love what you said about it's okay. And that sort of forgiveness to just be, you know, who you are and meet people where they are, right? And understand that that's a process. What would you say in terms of any situations, challenges, successes, or otherwise, you know, have really influenced or shaped who you are now? Because I would say, as you and I have talked about this before, like you're in a competitive role, right, that you're in now, and you're in this position of influence. And so all things sort of being equal, like, you know, what sort of shaped you to get to this place, right? And may- maybe there's just something in your path that might help someone else from this perspective. And it can be, it doesn't have to be like traumatic challenge. It can be a success, <laughs> right? Just something that you think is relatable to others maybe. I can't think of like really like grand, profound right. things. I think of more like 
experience with relationships with other people. Right. Where, you know, some of that affirmation that I give to others, I have heard myself. One of the things that's been really significant, particularly in arriving in my role now, is to have had opportunities to be able to be myself in leadership. Mm-hmm. So serving, you know, the the way we function. So we've got, you know, we've got teams and we've got committees that lead things. We've got a board that leads things and being able to serve on some of those and be able to share my voice in some of those and listen and be part of that collaborative process on our board and serving on other teams. So, so getting the opportunity to have lead positions of leadership, being invited to do those and practicing that and realizing, okay, I can do this. I have gifts for this. I really enjoy this. I enjoy being part of a team and collaborating together to figure out how we can do X, Y, or Z. Helped prepare me of this particular part of my career, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so taking advantage of some of those opportunities too mm-hmm. that were out there. I have a wanderlust, like a vocational wanderlust. Mm-hmm. Sometimes where, yeah. where I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. Maybe I'm supposed to be doing that. And so part of it is is engaging that in a way that is kind of connecting with some of these opportunities to lead and mm-hmm. to be part of things that are new and different that I've not done before. Like saying yes. Yeah, saying yes. Saying yes. Yeah. Saying yes to certain opportunities and things. Yeah. And also being able to say no. Practicing using my own voice has been really important mm-hmm. and impactful, particularly being part of a team where I was not the person who was seen as being in charge. You know, I was kind of, I was the associate. And so there was this sense of like, I couldn't speak because I wasn't in charge. So I needed to find opportunities where I could be, uh, I, I could say yes to something that would allow me to have my opportunity to speak, mm-hmm. to, to, to use my gifts, to be in collaboration, to do those things. So you've talked about leadership a few times. I'm passionate about soft skills. So obviously in your line of work, there's a huge technical component that you need to be proficient in and you need to understand. Uh, yes. But I would almost say in your line of work equally, this ability to relate to people and uh, have interpersonal skills to communicate effectively and influence, collaborate, everything you've talked about, I think, throughout the time we've been talking, really. There's a lot that I think is connected there. So for you and your perspective and some of the roles that you're in when, when you're leading, what are one or two of those skills that you think are critical to one's success and development? I think an authentic presence Mm-hmm. is really, really important. It, and by that, I mean, you know, some of what we've talked about already, like y- you know, you take the time to know who you are and also to be present with people in that way, not to try to be someone you're not. Right. <laughs> Never win. Because right. that's just going to be miserable for everybody and it's going to backfire on you. And it's not true. Right. Um, Right. So to to be authentically present with people, I think, is really important. Um, and it can be very scary because sometimes we feel like we need to be somebody else 
in order to whatever. So I think that's really important. I think it's very important to engage in active listening with people, which is sort of part of that presence also to, you know, we talk a lot about in our profession in terms of, you know, pastoral presence or counseling or in meetings or things like that, that you want to be, you know, you need to be listening to where the other person is coming from, hear their perspective, not, you know, use your I statements because things can get very contentious and things, there can be conflict and it can be conflict over something that seems like it's not going to be a conflict. And so actively, like really trying to, to listen to the other person, hear their story, hear where they're coming from, I think is important as well. It's interesting when you talk about that. And I asked you the question before about someone being, you know, challenged in their faith or even at a crossroads, whether to follow this vocation, it would seem like it'd be so easy to jump into, let me convince you, right? Because you think like, if I think about your role, and maybe that's just the way I was raised, like your job is to convince me that it's all real or that it's all right right, or that, right? And yet the way you responded and what you just described around active listening and that authentic self, it's really, it's not that, you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's about listening. It's about being in a conversation with someone else to get to whatever's the right place for that conversation to get to. It sounds like, you know, it doesn't have to be solved. You don't have to convince me of anything. (laughs) And I think that applies to kind of outside of the church, like in, in other jobs. It's like you you feel like if you know something is right or you believe something is right, then you have this job to convince people versus like, right. well, what if I just put that on the shelf for a minute and we just kind of be in this together and we'll figure it out together. It's interesting. Right. And then- Because I think yeah. if, you, if you come at somebody, sorry, if you come no. at somebody with like, let me just tell you, like I'm trying to convince you, then my experience is you're likely to hit some roadblocks and you're not going to have somebody listen and they're not going to want to walk right. with you wherever you're trying to walk them to. Right. Or walk with them to, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're trying to be in relationship with people. And when you build that relationship with people, then you can uh, much more easily kind of lead right. in a way that you're doing this together. You're figuring it out together. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. No, I love that. And then... As you think back, and some of this you may have commented on, but as you think back to young Kelly. Mm-hmm. Oh, young Kelly, hello. Yes, hello, hey. little Kelly, who's <laughs> quiet and not very confident. <laughs> what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? Oh. So that she has an easier time of it. I mean, I would probably start with the advice that I already, as we have said, give to others so freely. Yeah. Which is the advice that young Kelly, you also are phenomenally gifted, loved immeasurably, and made just as you are with all of your gifts and foibles and failings and growth areas and awesomeness, just as you are in the holy image of God. And God loves you very, very much. So let's let's get on with it. Let's get to it. Quit criticizing yourself so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's such a good message, especially for women, especially for young women. I mean, I just, it's become so apparent to me now that I'm older and I think back to my own 
narrative, my own thoughts. And now you, you there's something as you age, women become a little bit more honest and open about these things, right? In terms of what you really thought. And it's, I agree with you. Uh, if you could only see yourself, you know, in a way right. that other people see you. Um, and, and we didn't have such that harsh inner critic all the time. Right. If we could turn back time. I, I agree. Yeah. I would, I would definitely get on that train. Yeah. And it's hard because patriarchy is so insidious that we are raised to I know. think that we have to be someone other than. Right. There's a whole expectation out there that somehow we have to live up to that is not healthy. Right. But you're going to solve all that. <laughs> I'm going I'm going to be one voice among many to uh make the world just a little bit yes. nice. You're amazing. You're so awesome to do this and to chat with me and I'm so really appreciative. I think it's such a great conversation and I can't wait for people to hear it and to learn more about you. So thank you. I'm grateful for the invitation. Thank you, Kelly. This was so much fun. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I love being able to talk about faith and spirituality with someone who's so open and easy to talk with. And I learned a lot too. I'm inspired by your dedication to change the status quo when you could have easily sat back and chosen another path. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and thank you to our relatable community and listeners. We're so thankful for your support and listenership. If you get a moment, please subscribe to the Relatable Podcast, rate us and leave comments. We can be found on your favorite listening platform. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. You can follow us on Twitter and the TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.